Hello and welcome to the Maps Communications 2020 podcast, a series of podcasts where we explore various archives and collections. My name is Faith Williams and I'm joined today by Erin Lee, Head of Archives for the National Theatre. Would you like to introduce yourself, Erin, and tell us how you came to be in your position? Hi, yeah, it's really good to be with you today. Um, so I very much came to my position at the National um, not from knowing anything about theatre, which I think surprises some people. I think everyone that works at the National has come from a theatre background in some way, um, and I haven't. So I definitely came from it through the archive route. Um, so I had just finished my uh, Master's in Library and Information Science um, at Syracuse University in upstate New York. And I moved back to the UK and I actually got the position of the archive assistant. And over sort of three or four years, I worked my way up to head up the department. Um, and in that process, have learned an awful lot about theatre. I've seen an awful lot about theatre and um, learned a lot about what happens backstage. And that's actually fed into me now um, studying for a PhD in how we archive theatre and performance. So I very much uh, come over to the theatre side. You've got the bug now. Yeah. <laughs> How do you spend an average day as head of the archive then? So there's not, not really an average day, which probably doesn't come as a surprise. Um, I think being the head of the department, uh, you're a bit more removed from the actual material. So I don't spend as much time cataloging uh, or the housing, the packaging content. Um, it's more looking at the longer term and strategic development of the team. As we're a team of five uh, at the NT and we sit within the learning department so a lot of what I do is, is looking at how the archive can assist different departments across the NT, learning obviously being one of them. So we support a lot of their activities and programmes, and that's from primary all the way through secondary school, adult education, community programmes. And that can be uh, working with teachers to deliver sessions. Uh, that might be taking a handling session to a talk or a lecture. Uh, so that's quite varied. But then we also support a lot of departments across the national, uh, such as marketing and press um, development, who we work with quite a lot. So development are the fundraising arm of the national. So we work a lot with them and with donors. And uh, I suppose a lot of the work is to do with internal advocacy like that. Um, but then we have a lot of projects outside um, of the NT, working with particularly universities at the moment, uh, thinking about our research portfolio. We've been developing collaborative doctoral awards with the Royal Centre School of Speech and Drama around our Black Plays archive, uh, which we hold at the National. And that's a really exciting project. Um, so a, a lot of what I work on are uh, very much strategic projects. Um, but it is nice when I get into the nitty gritty of cataloguing some board papers or get back to you know, the reason that I came into the archive sector in the first place um, and get to work with researchers and find out sort of what their passions are and what they're really interested in accessing in the collection. So it is, yeah, very varied. There, there is no sort of typical day, I'm afraid. So what type of material do you have in your collection? It's quite varied. Um, so we sort of split our collection into three different sections, which just helps us to think about budgeting and cataloging priorities and that kind of thing. So the, the first section is the cultural archive. So that's everything to do with shows. So obviously being the National Theatre, our, our main bread and butter is productions. And we keep a full set of content for every show. 
So that will include um, programs, posters, all your production, rehearsal and technical photography, your costume bibles, your prompt scripts, your press reviews, and stage management reports. So they're the reports that are written every night by the stage manager about what happened on stage. And they're one of my favourite things actually because um, they're not really written to be read outside of the theatre. Uh, so they can give you real insights into just what went wrong on stage or who forgot their lines or um, did somebody, you know, if there's a sword fight or something, um, sometimes the sword shoots out into the audience and it's kind of about how they've appeased the front row after that's happened. And so it's uh, really interesting to see um, sort of how these things get dealt with backstage. Um, so that's the cultural archive and the, the really exciting part of the cultural archive are the production recordings. So we've recorded every show at the National since 1995. So that's 25 years worth of recordings that people can come and watch for free. And that includes the NT Live recordings. So NT Live is when we broadcast theatre live to cinemas around the world. And we do that not only on behalf of the National, but we also do that on behalf of other theatres, such as the Donmar Warehouse or the Old Vic or the Young Vic. And all of those recordings live in the archive. <coughs> Excuse me. So you can come and watch those. So if you want to see Benedict Cumberbatch playing Hamlet at the Barbican, we've got that recording. Um, so a lot of the public want to come and watch those, obviously. So that's sort of one section of the archive. Um, another is the business archive. So we are predominantly business archive, um, and that includes all of the sort of financial and legal documentation of the national, all the building information about the architecture, uh, all the board minutes, and so all of that lives in the business collection. And then we also have some external collections uh, which have been donated to us. And they're quite varied. Uh, we've got a couple uh, that feature the building itself and um, the architecture. We've got some that are about the founding of the National Theatre, so the reasons behind and all the trials and tribulations about founding the National. Um, and then we've got a few, we've got a collection of uh, an early board member. We've also got a collection of our first civil vocal coach, Catherine Fleming. And she was actually Margaret Thatcher's vocal coach. And um, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, there was the film The Iron Lady, which came out and all of the film researchers came to the NT and they, they researched Catherine Fleming because in, in the film, they wanted to show Margaret Thatcher at her speech lessons. And then in the film, the vocal coach is a man and they didn't cast it as a woman, presumably because they only wanted to show Margaret Thatcher as a woman in power at that time. Um, so some of our researchers went to the newspapers and told them about Catherine Fleming and she got a double-page spread in the newspaper, which was lovely. Um, so we have some interesting gems in our collection that you might not expect. Um, so it is quite varied. And one thing that we don't collect that people think we do is costume and props. So we have some of the early costumes, um, so very early, sort of from the 60s. And we also keep important props that we think are fundamental to how the National has run and shows its innovation. So for example, the puppets from His Dark Materials in 2003, we've kept quite a lot of those puppets in the archive to make sure that they are preserved. But we, but we have a costume and props hire department and that is part of our retail arm of the NT. So all of the costume and props get cycled through the hire department. They are open to the public, you can go in and hire costumes, whether that's for your amateur dramatic society, or if you want an amazing Halloween costume, you can go in and browse and borrow whatever you want. 
Um, but also those um, costume and props are reused in national theatre productions. So that's um, a lot of how we save money when we produce new shows, is that we aren't making everything from scratch, we're repurposing a lot of that content. So it doesn't come to the archive, it goes into costume and prop hire. So that's kind of pretty much what we collect. Was there any particular reason that you decided really from the offset not to collect costume and props? Because I feel like that's what a lot of people would expect. I think a lot of it is to do with the running of the theatre and how you provide content for future shows. So um, costumes are repurposed, particularly chorus costumes, um, because that, we save so much money by doing that and repurposing it. Uh, also, um, it is very expensive and quite an undertaking to look after costume and props. So if you go into keeping 3D content, uh, the space that you require to store that is huge. Uh, you also need very, very specific environmental conditions. And then you also require very large reading rooms to be able to get that content out and display it for people to then come and see it. So while from an archive perspective, I would love to have it, um, I think being part of a working theatre, you have to be very aware of the fact that shows are still going on and we, we can't keep every part of a production in the archive. Yeah, fair enough. Who accesses the collection? Is it mainly theatre type people or media? Um, again, quite varied. Um, so we get about four and a half thousand researchers visit us per year. And I would say around half of those are school and university groups. And they come in, everything that we offer is free. So a lot of school groups, university groups come in to watch productions. So What's amazing about the archive is that it makes the NT sort of syllabus proof. So whatever is on stage at the NT, if you're studying King Lear and it's not on stage, we will have at least one recording of King Lear that you can come and watch. We actually have two. So you can come and watch two different uh, recordings of King Lear. So it means that whatever you're studying, the NT archive will be able to provide you with something. And those groups come in, they, they watch shows, they look at all the um, surrounding content um, and their teachers kind of lead a session. So that's one sort of group of users. Another is, as you say, theatre practitioners. So lots of people come in in order to either be inspired by previous productions or they might be thinking about casting someone in a role and they want to watch them in a particular production and see what they were doing. Uh, some people want to understand how other creative processes worked and where they failed and where they succeeded. Um, we also get a lot of academics, and that is from theatre, but also from uh, architecture. So our building, whether you love or hate our National Theatre building on the South Bank, uh, it is studied a lot by architecture students um, as a symbol of brutalism. And we also get a lot of the general public. Um, because we offer a free service, you can come in and watch any shows you might have missed, or the tickets sold out, or you couldn't afford a ticket, um, or quite often you, you, you don't live in London and you couldn't come down for a run. Um, we have a lot of international visitors who come to us and sort of watch a whole repertory season during their holiday. Um, so they'll book in for like a whole week and watch everything. So it is quite uh, varied, which is really exciting for the archive team because everybody has a, a different request. Um, one thing that we don't get as much as other people um, are the family historians, um, because we're not actually that old. Uh, so we were founded in 1963, uh, so we haven't yet got to the point where a lot of family historians are investigating us, uh, but that, that will come in the future. 
well, the amount of people that the National Theatre employs must be quite large. Yeah, um, we have about 1,200 staff. Oh, wow, that's incredible. How many people work in the archives then? So five of us in the archives. Okay, that's quite, that's quite a lot of people then. It is, yeah, and it's, um, it has increased recently and it is split between sort of the digital side and traditional cataloguing and access for researchers. Are they quite separate arms then or do they interlink? They do interlink. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm very much of the opinion that every archivist should embrace digital um, and that we shouldn't try and split out uh, the roles. But uh, the reason that we have um, quite a bit of a focus on digital at the moment is that we are implementing a digital preservation solution. So we have an extra member of the team to help us to start ingesting and set up that process. So you mentioned you can watch previous productions if you come to your location. Are you kind of thinking of making that accessible online so everyone in the world can, can do it there? This is a very popular question. Um, and during uh, the lockdown period, we have run something called NT at Home on YouTube, which was where we broadcast uh, for a week at a time one particular show. So uh, this week, actually, Amadeus is showing, and uh, it's available for a week for you to watch from home for free on YouTube. It's been hugely successful. Um, I think by the time we finish, we'll have reached over 15 million households, which is phenomenal in terms of an audience. Um, it has been hugely popular. The issue we have is around rights. Mm. So whenever you record a production, obviously, we own the copyright of the actual recording, but then you have to clear rights with every single actor in the cast and then every creative who was involved in that production, as well as the writer, if they're a state, if they're alive or they're a state and um, is still on the copyright. And then also any music that you might have used in that production. So you'd have to clear it with the music rights holders as well. So it is hugely complicated to try and make any of those recordings available beyond the research room. Um, but it is something that is being looked into and it is something that we are very aware that people would love to have access to. Um, so that's just a wait and see yeah and then people won't have to come and watch it all on their yeah. holidays yeah um are there you just mentioned there copyright is a huge problem with so many um areas in productions are there any other particular challenges that come with managing the collection um i would say that the rights is probably the main one um i think another area is obviously the fact that this is very ephemeral um, it is a live event so what is left after a live event? And that's very much what my PhD is looking at. It's looking at how, how we document the process of theatre being put together. So we're very good at archiving what's actually happening on stage. So we have the script, we have the costume bible, we can record it. And we have various other um, pieces of material that we require. But the actual process of putting a show together is different every time. And it's also very difficult to, for me to know what happens in that process to then be able to think about what we archive from that process. And um, so I'd say that's one of the biggest challenges is the ephemerality of, of the art form and the fact that it's very freelancer based. So we know that over 70% of the people that work in the performing arts are freelance. So when you are an institutional archivist, like I am, I can have certain relationships with people within the National Theatre and we can set up retention schedules, we can have you know, a time of the year that they always send things to the archive. But when you're working with freelance teams, 
that becomes much harder to affect. Um, not just because they maybe don't even know there is an archive, but also that they work on that project and then they're off onto another project in another building. So it becomes quite difficult to keep track of all that content. And um, so I'd say that that's the main challenge and that's what I'm spending some great headspace um, looking at in my PhD, which is supported by the National Theatre. Uh, so hopefully whatever I find out, um, I'll be able to put into practice immediately within the NT archive. Yeah. Um, do you talk to the people during production? Like, do you discuss with directors or whoever if, if there's anything that might come into the archive or clarify anything with them? That's something I would I would love to do and will aim to do as part of my research. So I am going to be embedded within a production from start to finish so that I can see those conversations and have those conversations with practitioners. At the moment, it's not something that's particularly feasible within the building um, just because of the way that it's set up and the way that rehearsal and production happens. It's a very closed room environment when productions are created and um, it's meant to be a very safe space for practitioners to be able to experiment with their work and to have the freedom to fail and it not be documented and not be seen um, and that they are able to work from that and learn from that. So we have to be really careful as archivists about how we approach that space and how happy those practitioners are to speak with us. So it is going to be a kind of softly, softly approach to see what works best. Um, but at the moment, those conversations don't necessarily happen. And that's what I'm hoping will happen as a result of my research. Yeah, it's a bit like journalism. You don't really want to step on anyone's toes, but you yeah. still want the information, you know? Yeah. What are your hopes for the future of the archive? Is there a particular group you want to target? I mean, 15 million people watching the National Live, that's amazing. Is, is there anything else that you would hope? I think I am really passionate about finding a way to share that content more widely and to find a way of dealing with the right situation that will allow us to share content for educational reasons. Um, so we have started something called the NT Collection which is where we stream content. It's 30 titles that we have on the NT collection. Um, it's freely available to all state schools in the UK. Um, and there is a paid for subscription for any other educational establishment in the world. So if you're in a university in America, for example, you can sign up and you can watch these 30 productions. And there's also archive content surrounding each of those titles. And I'm, we are working really hard to find a way to share more of that archive content uh, to make sure that if you visit that site, you know, in, in America, that you'll get a very similar experience to if you came in in person in London. So if you are sitting at your computer at university in the States, you're getting the same content, you're getting the same rich insight into what happens at the National as you would get if you came in in person. Um, you know, the National Theatre is meant to be national. You know, we want to be able to reach everyone in the UK, not just those that can come to London or can afford to come to London. So that's a real passion project for the NT. Um, and I think as well with the archive, I would love to work more on the research side. So with our collaborative doctoral awards with Central, uh, we are running our first one at the moment. We have another student starting in September. And the huge benefits you get from partnering with educational establishments, it's fantastic um, because they come with a funded project. Um, those students have an insight into your theatre or your subject area that you probably don't have 
They also have the time and capacity to research, which you don't have as an archivist, you're pretty busy. Um, and also now a lot of uh, these PhDs require public engagement outputs. So the PhDs aren't simply an 80,000 word thesis that you get plunked with at the end, but they, they come with a lot of work that has to be of relevance to the National Theatre. So may that be a podcast series, which Nadine is actually designing, which will be launched in September. It'll be a podcast series about black theatre. And that's fantastic. And she's gone away and she's researched that. She's doing the interviews with all the academics and the practitioners. Um, so I think the opportunities that research brings is a kind of untapped resource at the moment. And I would really love to, to find out more about that. You've mentioned your black lives. And obviously this is something that you as an institution have come up with yourself. But now at the moment, there's a big sort of political and social push um, to focus on things like that. Do you tie in with that or do you just do your own thing and know that that's the correct, that that's what you want to do? Well, we established the Black Plays Archive um, probably about 10 years ago now. Um, and that was out of a desire of one of our associate directors, Kwame Kwayarma, who's now the artistic director of the Young Vic down the road. Um, he wanted to establish a Black Plays Archive, having seen a similar setup in New York at the Public Library. And we established that uh, with funding from the Arts Council and with support from various archives and universities who already held material related to Black Theatre companies. We've established that, and it is something that lives at the National Theatre. Um, what it does is that it keeps track of every first professional production in the UK of plays written by British, African and Caribbean playwrights. So it's a union catalogue. So it's a website and it tells you where all of these productions happened and when and who was in them. But most importantly, it tells you which archives to go to to find out more information. So some of those shows were at the National. So it'll say, go to the National Theatre Archive, they have all these things. But some of those, obviously, the productions were all over the UK. Um, so it will tell you to go to the DNA, or maybe go to the British Library, or the Black Cultural Archives, or Goldsmith University. So it's really a resource that sits there for people who want to study those plays, or who want to put those plays on. And there's a lot of content on that site. Uh, there are interviews, there are readings. Um, we've uh, conducted several exhibitions, which are now available online. And um, Nadine's podcast will also be available on there. And we want it to be a central resource particularly for teachers. Um, we're seeing with this Black Lives Matter movement, um, certainly recently over the past few months, um, the sort of shock at the lack of diversity on school syllabus. Um, we are there to provide those resources to say to teachers, you, you have the support to teach these texts, and we're hoping to be able to impact on the syllabus and get that changed and get a far more diverse set of texts and practitioners on the English and drama syllabus. So we're really passionate about doing that. And um, we're hoping that by having these PhD students um, who are young women of colour um, coming through the programme and um, encouraging more people to be studying those texts at postgrad, but also that will trickle down to it being studied at undergrad, it being studied at school. So we're chipping away um, bit by bit as much as we can. Um, and I think it's really important that uh, the National isn't the only organisation that contributes to the Black Plays Archive. And um, so we're looking at ways that we can um, continue a conversation with the community about what they want the archive to be and uh, what other resources and events we can run around the archive that will be useful to everyone. That's fantastic. So finally, 
what is your most interesting item? What what do you favorite in your collection? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I think I'm going to cheat and say a series of content, um, and it will be um, the correspondence of our artistic directors. Um, so particularly Peter Hall, who is of the period where you have all the pinks. So you have the copy of the letter that he sent to someone, and then you have the letter that they sent to him. And recently, one of our researchers, Daniel Rosenthal, has published a book called Dramatic Exchanges, which is a sort of history of the National Theatre through correspondence. And it looks at all of the artistic directors' correspondence um, and also correspondence between literary managers and people like that with playwrights about their work. And I think what I just found so touching about that is getting an insight into how the artistic director works. Uh, so I've been at the National under Nicholas Heitner and now um, Rufus Norris is our director. And I think understanding how being an artistic director is different to them being a director and you get a sense of all of the conversations they have to have, a lot of um, a lot of pacifying people who've maybe upset each other, um, and a lot of trying to fiddle things with the planning and the scheduling to make sure that everything matches. Um, and I think just having that insight into how they work um, is really, really fascinating. And also, there's a bit of gossip in there, um, which you've got to love in archives. Um, so it is highly entertaining. Theatre is notorious for gossip, isn't yeah. it? So <laughs> yeah. those we'll never get to hear, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you for talking to me today. It's been really interesting hearing about all your work. It sounds like a really dynamic organisation, always trying to think of new ways in which to engage people. And um, I certainly know that from studying plays at school, we were encouraged to watch them, and mm -hmm. that's what plays are for, you know. But to have a whole program where you can sign schools up and they can watch, you know, world-class performances that have taken place at, on location. That must be fantastic for teachers to have that resource. And um, good luck with your PhD. Thank you. How, how, how far through are you? Um, I was about a year and a half through and it'll be six years. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a long time right now. <laughs> Um, is there any other place you want to point people in the direction of? Um, I think uh, we'll put a link up for the uh, Black Plays Archive mm -hmm. and also to all of our online exhibitions uh, which are available for free on our website um, and they give you know, real insight into some of our materials um, and also interviews with academics and practitioners about what the National Theatre does and you can get a bit of a glimpse of backstage as well. Oh, fantastic. Um, and then check out National Theatre Live either on YouTube or at the cinema if, if yeah. it's ever reopened. Yeah. Yeah, we are we are showing already in theatres. Yeah. Oh yeah. great, great. <laughs> Wonderful to talk to you, Erin. You too.